Game Boys. Damn, I feel good. Our president feels good. I feel good. You ever felt so good? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm feeling great. That's a good way to describe how I feel is great. I feel charged the fuck up. Yeah. Um, uh, I just like don't know how to respond. Yeah, we're, we're, I don't know how to respond. We're doing to this. the podcast now. I know. I don't know how to respond to this because it's like I don't. <laughs> you don't. You, you don't. You don't feel the don't idea feel of feeling phenomenal. charged up after this. The, the everything that's been going on is insane to me. I feel. I feel absolutely uh, zooted up. Uh, I mean, come on. Listen, like everything sucks, and this last week has been so funny. Yes, that's true. We, I mean, literally, like, especially after watching the the vice presidential debates last night. I mean, those were uh, sort of like a. They reminded me how boring all the all the politics could be. But but instead, for his last act, he's making it so much fun. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. It's it's good, and we're all having a great time now. The politics is sports. Um, that's like a real, yeah. a real joy. It's a setting that I love to be in and I'm happy that it's the way the world is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's like if the quarterback was dying, but demanding to play <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it's like, I just imagine Dennis Quaid from, uh, from, uh, the Oliver Stone one, the longest, uh, the, the, the longest yard or whatever. No, it's the, the longest yard. The, the longest mile. What's the Oliver Stone it, one? Any given Sunday. It, I'm imagining Sunday miles. I'm imagining and Dennis Quaid for any given Sunday just being like, put me in coach. And the coach is like, you have colon cancer. And he's like, I don't care. I could get this touchdown. What was that thing about Dennis Quaid being in a MAGA video or something? Was that like a fake story or something? I, I, he was like in a video for like that the Trump campaign was playing. I don't know. I believe it. Like, you I think so? I just like MAGA, MAGA shit. Like, I feel like. Anyone can just sort of like transmutate into a MAGA guy with no warning in like a sort of like werewolf kind of way. Yeah, for sure. Um, like maybe the moon, Dennis the Quaid moon is full. Yeah, maybe Dennis Quaid got bit by a MAGA guy, and that's just like where he's at now. Yeah, we don't have anyone looking into that. Um, no, I mean, I, I served Dennis Quaid a few drinks in my day in Austin, Texas, because uh, he's an Austin, Texas boy, and he was always very nice to me. But in that, in that, you know. That older stately gentleman way that, you know, maybe he is a MAGA guy. Yeah, where it's like, uh, you got to be nice to the people who work for you. Here's here's one of the reasons he could be a MAGA guy. He got uh, a tequila shot uh, warm and stone crab on ice. Whoa. That's quite a combination. I mean, yeah. it sounds good, though. Man, could could crab bring us together? As a country, <laughs> just like the food that's hardest to eat, so we can all, <laughs> so we can all be like, man, I can't believe how tough it is to eat a crab. Yeah, that's like a un unanimous experience. We just we have to find those experiences that are that transcend everything. You know, age, sex, race. Eating crab is hard and messy. Yeah, it is. It's a you gotta crack it, and then you gotta crack it in such a way that the sharp parts don't fall in the part you want to eat. <laughs> it's like a whole it's a whole deal you gotta pull those legs off but not pull them too much you gotta cut open the insides but not spill the poop that they have in their poop chamber oh the poop chamber yeah it's, you gotta save that for later yeah that's yeah you gotta save that for dessert <laughs> baby <laughs> you wash down that sweet crab meat with some uh, fetid turd 
Uh, crabs are awesome, man. Yeah. I like crabs. Crabs are great. Like as as an animal, not not the poop part we were talking about. They're they're cool animal. Shouts out it's to like uh to Tim Faust. Underwater uh, reptiles. Totally. Shouts out to Tim Faust, known uh known crabophobe. Wow. In a, in in that a, way that absolute crab hater. Crab hater. Yeah. Uh folks will I've I've at least seen it once where someone has hidden an image of a crab. For Tim to find, and then he found it, and then was freaked and livid. Oh, no. Wow. Hmm. And so, do you guys allow any kind of crab-related wrestlers? Oh, we've done it. Okay. <laughs> we've done and it. And he left. No, he, he threatened to quit. He stayed there for, uh, who was it? It was uh, Wonder Crab and Prawn Cena, I think, was the tag team. Sure. Um. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, he he, he grinds it out. We all, you know, did you everyone, see this? Everyone has to deal with their own. Did you see this video? Burdens. Which video? I'm moving. I'm moving topics because I. Did you see the green screen video that Trump shot today? Oh, buddy, did I? <laughs> it is. It is. I, I know that every so often from any politician we accuse them of using a green screen, but this is the most green screened I've ever seen. Yeah, it's bad green screen too. It is. It is choom room green screen. Yeah. It's like the edges are falling away because we got excited and we knocked something over. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like it reminds me of uh, PWR green screen stuff where like 90% of it looks okay, but then there's a part where someone walked in front of the light and so everything looks shitty for a second. And then you have to change yeah, the settings so that everything looks shitty so you can avoid that one real big problem. I mean, my man looks like he's standing in a, in a, in a, in the, in the White House yard, but like there's three suns. Yeah. Like that's the funny thing about the lighting is like he's getting harsh direct lighting from behind and from the front. He's he's he is on some sort of two sunned planet. Yeah, it's a tad it's a Tatooine. We're talking Tatooine. He's on a Tatooine. Well, maybe that's why he's one of the chosen one then. Yeah, all, maybe, all of our leaders come from Tatooine. Maybe that's where he got all the midichlorians. Yeah, uh, the one um, I like the Trump thing I liked recently was I don't know if you saw this. They did like a photo of like he's back to work, baby, and it was like him writing yeah. signing some papers. And then there's if you zoom in. On the image, what you'll see is the paper he's working on is a blank sheet of paper on which he's just writing his name. It's <laughs> <laughs> a blank sheet of paper he's writing Donald Trump on it. It's great. It, it's good because that's what he was doing before. It's nice to, to be consistent, right? And, and, you know, that's what's so beautiful about him is like early on people realized, oh, he just needs something to draw on. It's like a kid at a restaurant. Like he needs some crayons. Just keep him occupied. Keep him busy, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's like, I think that they've re- they've realized that to a certain degree throughout the presidency, but now I think they're like really leaning in. Yeah, um, but and and they're also uh, leaning over because they're all dying, and that's what's so incredible. <laughs> that's about the that's this. the good news. That's what's got me charged up. This VP debate did not have me charged up, but the, the bunch of Republicans no. dying of COVID has me fucking revved. Because it's just like he like Trump infected the Republicans as like a parasite, then like completely turned it into his thing, like took over the host body. And now he's like literally like ripping out its chest and like taking a bunch of people down with him. I mean, it, it, it's it's a beautiful last act. There I mean, is do you, do you th- there is an argument to be made that I've been thinking about a lot that Trump's sort of this like this segment of Trump time, this like flailing, psychotic, kill everyone around him, COVID distributing madman Trump. Um, maybe is almost setting us up for like actual progressive politics to happen. And here's what I mean. Uh, when Biden gets elected, if Biden gets elected and like, doesn't change things meaningfully from what this Trump era looks like right now, 
I think there might actually be like a mobilization from the Democratic Party of like, oh, we have to move left. Um, During or post Biden? I think it would be like I'd probably like two ish years into Biden, maybe maybe around like the first Biden midterm. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, because because I guess my question is, is like this is like I say, I'm, I'm feeling good having the time of my life right now. And I do wonder where all this energy is going to go when Trump is gone. Like, where does it go? Like, where do the Proud Boys and QAnon like because all that energy isn't going to just like dissipate. It has to be like put somewhere else now. And when Biden continues to do nothing about this, like planets, like slow melting demise, there's going to be someone way more intellectually competent than Trump from the right. That's going to come up. And I just don't know if all these Facebookers and these brunchsters are going to be paying attention till it's too late. Well, I think that that's where, that's where this like left pressure thing, I think maybe becomes reasonable and powerful is this idea that like, Exactly, exactly what you said. Like, he doesn't do anything. Everything keeps getting, staying bad. Uh, there's, like, a new, better Trump, like, Trump 2.0, like, Tucker Carlson or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's like it's like Tucker Carlson. It's like the Terminator 2 one that goes silver and yeah. goopy. Yeah, you get your, you know, you get your like, Trump 1000. You're um, going to, like, be wishing for the days of an Arnold Schwarzenegger because the next one is all silvery and goopy. It's yeah. way more, way more difficult. Yeah, and so you get that and one. And it's a cop. Yeah, well, for, of course. <laughs> Um, then you get that one, and I think that at that point, in order to distinguish themselves from the Republicans, from that like that type of Republican, Democrats will have to sort of like make some leftist concessions. Uh, it's that, or just like the party's over, they just merge the Republican Party, and that's it. They're just they're just not going to make any concessions, and we have to be like the leftist parasite that like Trump was to the right, right? Like that isn't that the point, right? right but that, but, like, but, that, but what Trump take was power rather than be given it. Trump was a conservative concession. Like yeah. Trump was basically the conservatives being like, we can't win on just like evangelicals and old people. We uh-huh. need weird online psychos. Like yeah. we need to add a third piece. We need that. We need that third heat. That good GE oven third heat. Um, Mm -hmm. And what Trump was was them conceding to that idea and then getting that third heat and leaning more fascists to pull in more conservatives who don't vote because they're not fascist enough. Um, The Democrats also need that third heat. And then the way they get that third heat is not by trying to meet in the middle. It's by going left. And I think that there's a non-zero chance that in 2022, that becomes a thing that they realize. Um, and even if they don't realize it, it also maybe becomes a thing that, like, on-the-ground grassroots can just do by winning elections. Uh, no, they they already realize it, Lux. They just don't want to do it, so we have to get rid of them. But like, it's, like, like it's, it, no, I think you're, I think you're, you're misunderstanding. Like, they don't. They don't realize that that's how they have to win elections. Uh, if they did, they would either have already made very small, insignificant ones that they are all hard, are hardlining against, or they would have made some big ones and just lied about it. Um, the yeah. fact that they're not doing that means that they don't think that's how they need to win elections. Uh, right. And, and so you're right. We need to force them out and prove to them that they, that's how they win elections by having more Corey Bushes, more AOCs, more Jamal, uh, what's his name, Jamal Bowman's uh, winning elections. And I think at a certain point, they have to realize that their best way to retain any kind of power as a party is to put money into those kind of candidates rather than Elliot Siegel or whatever. Yeah, and I think yours is like a is like a theory of convincing, and like my my theory is of making those people just irrelevant and removing them. Yeah, um, I mean, but in general, the one thing that we can both agree on that they will that could either person could clinch presidency 
today if they came out and said we are doing a federal mandate we are keeping keeping new video games at sixty dollars all next-gen video games at sixty dollars yeah i mean that's how you win that's how you because you have to appeal to the world you have to appeal to the working class everyone's a gamer now you come out that's the one thing and you say bipartisan yeah you come out and you say look gamers sixty dollars and the gamers say you understand us yeah, they rally to you in a way unseen in American politics. All right, let's start the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, lol. Um, <laughs> that, are we on? Um, yeah, we are. Oh, what's going on? We're, we're in it, baby. Um, so I played Baldur's Gate 3. Me too. Been play- I've been playing it for three days. Two out of the three of those days have been an absolute technical clusterfuck nightmare. Um but I have to say, the game is good enough that I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had any major problems playing single player yet. Yeah, and I've only been doing multiplayer uh, streaming on Twitch um, to an audience of like 50 or 60 people watching the game break and just be like, sorry guys, we're going to restart again for like two different nights. So <laughs> I've had a little bit more of a negative experience, but I think it is mainly related to the multiplayer. Yeah, I um, I, I I'm inclined to agree. I mean, single player has worked great. I've I really enjoyed it. It looks awesome. Um, uh, it looks really great. It also plays really fun. It's really good at capturing a lot of what makes tabletop gaming fun, in terms of like you make choices, but the roles affect the outcomes, and in like a, in a very fucking uh, I mean, classic D and D, but also uh, Disco Elysium kind of way. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you have odds of success, but not like guarantee yes, no. Um, and it's like a fun, cool setting. And the fact that sort of the central kind of concept is that like a mind flare has put like a crazy bug inside your brain and you're like fighting through weird <laughs> mind flare memory zone or whatever is yeah. like a very cool D&D shit. They put a worm in your brain, man. This is the year of the worm. Dune, Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. Well, no. Dune's not coming out for years, I guess. Yeah. Dune, Dune's been pushed back till uh, 2027. Just a lot of worm imagery this year. I mean, brain worms is everywhere as a phrase. Yeah. It's all over the place. Um, but yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is, I don't know, it's super fun. It's really fun. It's really pretty. Character creation. Very pretty. Character creation fucking rules in that game. Uh, yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, every single like, different character model, male and female, is incredibly attractive. They're all... Hot as hell, which is... They're hot as hell. Very good. And, like, one thing... This is something that they capture that I think other games get close to, but I don't think I've had the experience quite as one-to-one as with this game, is one of my favorite parts about playing tabletop games, which is, uh, is you know, make, is making a character, right? Like, make, when the character creation in tabletop game is really cool because you make all these choices and you slowly put together, like, an idea of who you are in your head. And video games... I think a lot of times the character creation is, like, too modular and, like, too specific for me to, like, get in that vibe of, like, oh, I answered this question like this, which means this next question should be this, and now I'm painting a picture in my head of who this guy is. But the Baldur's Gate one is, like, perfectly, like, smooth and paced in such a way that, like, I went in with no idea what I was going to do and came out with, like, a totally coherent character concept of, like, Pants the Tiefling, the tiefling Ranger who was, like, a pirate. Um... And, like, that's his deal. And it's super fun. He's a super fun character to play. And it's just, like, it. it it's similar to playing tabletop. Like, the process of making the character was fun and also put me in a headspace when the game started. That's made it, like, a fucking blast to play. 
And then once it puts you in that headspace, it completely just goes bonkers from the first cinematic. It is one of the most bonkers openings I've ever seen. Like, it, it is truly like proof of that this is just a crazy palace of different genres and ideas because like you're on like a you're it's like medieval setting and then like a cthulhu spaceship appears and starts sucking people up and then it goes and then it dragons come out of a portal and start attacking the cthulhu spaceship and then you're all teleported to hell Mm-hmm. where you're flying through hell. And so it's like, okay, this is like five different types of fantasy combined into one, and it rocks. Yeah, I mean, well, that's... It slaps. That's, it's really, really leaning into what D&D is, which is just a pile of fantasy tropes that you get to pick and choose from. Yes, um, and I've never really experienced that before in a game. Like, every game is so committed to, like picking a lane and this game doesn't seem to give a fuck yeah and it's awesome like uh, like a cthulhu monster was fighting a hell demon and i'm just like sure hell yeah let's go yeah i mean because that's the that's why i love i love running tabletop games right is that like at any time if i feel like it anything i want can happen and this game really captures this idea that like anything could possibly happen that like this mind flayer could pop up from nowhere and take over your brain or like a bronze dragon will come and grant you a special wish or like a leviathan will just eat a city on the coast and like, sorry, bud, like anything is possible. And I think that that, that makes the whole thing feel really cool. It makes your choices feel even more important, honestly, because you don't have like as firm a grasp on how, what the world is or how it interacts or like what's going to happen next. Like, I think in some choice games, it feels like you know the right choice, the right choice for your character, or the outcome that you want. But when there's so many possibilities, you can't really yeah. speculate on the outcome. It, right, you're right. It makes it makes the idea of of choice like truly unpredictable in a way that you can't ever predict. Because yes, you're right. Like even when you watch like a, when you play a video game or when you watch a certain type of movie your brain already constructs like the limited amount of possibilities like for that story totally. or whatever um and so like then you're like well this can go three ways um but like this game there is this sort of fresh sense of um unknown to it that i don't feel like with other games and movies and stuff so yeah it rocks yeah, for that um, reason what it reminds me of in that respect and as far as it implicates like the game and like what the game's doing is it reminds me of mass effect a little bit hmm. um because for, for, for slightly different reasons but <clears throat> mass effect the whole game kind of narratively and like thematically boils down this idea that like the outcomes of your choice don't matter because of us kind of like fatalist we're all gonna end up in this like loop of alien destruction and rebirth thing anyways but what matters is the choice you make and why you make it, not necessarily what it causes, but like what part of you drove you to make that choice. Like that's sort of the ethical center of the game. Um, and Baldur's Gate 3, because of the same unpredictability and because of how that affects the idea of like outcomes, has the same thing where like what matters is the choice you're making and why you're making it as a character and as a player. And not so much what it's going to do, because what it's going to do is extremely vague. Because like you said, a Cthulhu could just come out of nowhere and fuck up the whole thing you think is going to happen. So it all that matters is like why you make the choices like on an ethical personal level, which is a very fun, yeah, it's a much more fun way for choice to work in a game, and one that rarely is rarely how it does work. But I think it's something I get really into when it does happen. Totally, totally. Um, and now, but so that is already sort of, in my opinion, like very fun and fresh with the choice. But then on top of that they've done this thing called Twitch integration. And I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Cause I was doing that on my stream last night and it is fucking cool. And 
it sort of like I don't know. It was like it was like experiencing a new type of game or like our new or like oh, like oh they're it's like it was like seeing like the Wii controller for the first time or something. Just like oh wait, there's a whole another thing now. Uh, maybe even more important than the Wii controller because that was like a weird unique thing. But like basically, what you can do is you can take your game and integrate it to your Twitch account so your chat can vote on the choices you make. Um, so I can like hit a little poll that appears in the game and then it starts to pull up into my chat. And there's a whole overlay on my Twitch stream now where like every time I hit the poll, like the numbers come up on the screen. And then even more so on the left side, it shows all of my party members at what gear and levels and spells they have. And you can click on each one and like look into it. So it's like you are like like the chat is getting super involved and put to my game. That's and it rocks. That's really really cool. Um, I've only seen that. The only other game I've seen that in is like Vermintide. We've talked about that. That like in Vermintide, it used they, mm -hmm. they had this thing where it was like Twitch could vote on like, is there a potion in the box or is it a bomb or like or is there right. going to be reinforcements? Is there a boss here? We decide. We're Twitch. Um, but this seems a little bit more involved than that. So I have a couple of like questions about it because I'm very curious. Um, so do they get to vote on like when you're in a conversation and you have like a conversation option or like action option? They get to vote for like what you do. I guess, like, how much do they get to legislate is, I guess, the question I'm asking. Yeah, well, well, they, well, they, like, not only did they, they balance it perfectly because um, it's up to the player when they get to vote. So what I found was you, you can literally have them vote with you on every single dialogue choice. But that really slows things down because you're, like, have to wait for the votes to come in each time. Yeah, I was going to so, ask about that. So I, I found that the, the, a good rhythm as a streamer to do it with was, okay, certain basic parts of the conversation I'll choose, but like big decision moments, I'll cast the poll. And there's usually at least one to two big decision moments in any conversation. Right, that's like that's like a classic RPG conversation framework because a lot of it's sort of like lore and exposition and there's a couple parts where they're like, so are you going to kill the dragon or my mom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those tend to be like the really fun pull options. and uh, But no matter who votes for what the player still like, gets to make the choice at the end so it's not like they lock you into one if if the chat really wants you to do something super stupid okay that's that's kind of good so you have like you have like veto power you do have veto power yes um but i i really can't go i can't like go off enough about just how good it looks how snappy and quick it is there's no lag time when you cast a poll they like come in instantaneously like like for early access, I was really, really impressed with this, and and just like outside of this game, it really made me think like, wow, like this, like we are in phase two of Twitch. Like phase one was like the last like six to eight years. Like people started streaming, people started figuring it out, but not like everyone knew about it. But it's like this is the era now. Like this is like the era where the game and literally the designs of the games are built around the existence of Twitch. Well, it's also, it's very funny. I mean, it makes sense that it's Baldur's Gate 3 where this is happening because the, the phenomenon you're describing is not new on Twitch per se because it's super present in, like, online D&D tabletop Twitch, right? Sure. Like, on those streams, they often have, like, you can vote on what the party does or if you send X amount of money, you can add something to the story or if you send a pizza, there's a monster mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting to see that become part of, like, video game Twitch uh, instead and, and get integrated into that. Because it's like, it's a 
it's not a new phenomenon, but it's a it's a new application of it in a way that's really interesting and cool. And it makes sense that something like a basically D&D the video game would be like the first place that pops up in like a super serious way. Yeah, and like I I think that like this is going to like keep going to the point where like it's I think it's going to eventually go deeper than voting. Like I I imagine like pulling up like my Warzone map and being like where am I dropping and like the chat pinging places on the map or something. Yeah. Like like I like I imagine like all sorts of like even deeper ways to, to where like in some ways you are really playing the game and and becoming an active audience member yeah. like that 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 shit is like so interesting to me i guess the the sort of hinge for that for what you're describing is like the latency thing right like when like the less like as latency goes down more things can be included as like chat options right cuz like if you're on a 10 sec if they're on a 10 second delay from you there are certain things they just can't ask you to do functionally totally. um but i think totally. as like as they clean up the latency stuff and and you know other other sort of issues i think that it's very possible that yeah that you're totally right that we might see this expand into like you know um uh i don't know tw- the chat uh the chat can vote on what weapon you use in your big boss fight that's coming up or like where you drop in war zone or like mm-hmm. uh you know like basically anything um it makes sense and it's good that uh they that they're starting with this, with Baldur's Gate, especially because of the timing element, like because of the latency thing. That it, because it's all sort of turn based and click based, it's really easy for them to be like to vote. Um, the integration of that into more real time speedy games like Warzone or whatever is going to be a really interesting prospect over time. Like how that could possibly happen? Because I think you're right that like that's got to be sort of the the blue sky goal of this like cultural project is like that that there's the is to to narrow the line between Twitch streamer and audience as like thin as possible. Mm-hmm. Because what is the ultimate thesis of Twitch? It's this idea that we as a society, in a lot of ways, like miss couch co-op gaming, being able to hang out with friends and watch a video game. Um, and and like we right now we have the the watching part down, but like the audience doesn't get to like be handed the controller. And I think this is like sort of the spiritual version of getting to that now, like. I, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, especially um, because what you're just what we're, what we're talking about also is like, like peak parasociality. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's like I mean not, you don't got to tell me about it, man. Not, I'm getting I'm getting weird tags on Twitter now. Yeah, not only <laughs> is the host my friend, but also we share a body. Um, yeah, in in this digital uh, game, which is hold on, creepy. my my landlord's here. One second. Oh, someone's in the doorway. Sorry about that. That's alright. We can just keep that in. I think I think I think I, listen, the, we burned some time there. I think the people really want to know about this guy who inspects your house every four years. Yeah, we and we talked about uh, the gamer chair, so you know. Oh wow! Uh, it is gaming related slightly, man. It's weird. I they had to inspect all the rooms, and I, my roommate hasn't lived here for like yeah, Coldenberg's been gone for a year for, now for a hundred years. And so, like, I haven't, like, opened this door in, like, half a year. It's weird. It's like, oh, yeah, that part of the house exists. <laughs> Damn. Um, well, uh, it, you know, the, the inspector did mention an important thing, uh, that it is actually really hard to escape my house. Um, you've been there, Lux. You know yeah. how, like, you get locked in? Yeah, I do. I mean, I remember the like, time. Yeah, that's not great. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember there was a time where I wanted to get food, but I, you didn't leave a key to the gate because I think you just forgot because you were in a rush. And so I was stuck in your house, so I had to order food for lunch and dinner because I couldn't leave. Um, I Dom from Dominic Johnson, who's been on this podcast. Oh, I remember before, this. I was here. I think I was there one time. You were there one time. He crashed after a party here, and then he couldn't get out in the morning. So I saw. Um, I, I saw like all these chairs stacked up. Yeah. He must have had to climb up to get out. I was, I was at that party. Dom and I fell asleep on, (laughs) on opposite couches and I woke up and he was gone. I was very confused. Um, truly wild. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, my gamer chair impresses. I mean, how could it not? It's a, it's a, an elite piece of, uh. It's an elite piece of, uh, you know, uh, equipment. It's an elite sort people, of, it's a signifier of excellence. People recognize, yeah, the, the, uh, the elites of, um, of, you know, the home office. Yeah. Cause everyone's got a home office now. And so now people get it for the first time. Yeah. People are really like, starting oh, to, two monitors is cool. Yeah. People are really starting to understand what it's like to be cool and inside all the time. <laughs> what were we talking about before this? Before we got rudely uh, interrupted, we were talking about Baldur's Gate and Twitch integration and yeah, uh, the and parasocial shit. Yeah, I guess I guess now I get what everyone on Twitter is saying. We have to vote. Um, yep, that's you got to vote. That's what Twitch is telling everyone with Baldur's Gate three. Is you got to get out. You got to get out the vote and get Griffin. Yeah. Making bad choices in a video, and then, but then also by by the structure of the system, the executive can disregard your votes. <laughs> hey, you know, look, uh, socialism in real life, uh, autocracy on online, baby. Um, Let's go. Yeah, it's a. Uh, what else is what else is going on in the world of video games? Um, well, I sent you something earlier. I don't know if you, if you looked at it, uh, but uh, I was ranting to you in our in our DMs about how the Magic the Gathering meta is very broken. Oh um, no! I'm looking at the picture right now, and it's very cursed. So, in so it's broken in many ways, and some ways are not going to be interesting to people who don't play the game. Um, to that, I'll just say if you do play uh, the Omnat, like basically, there's just one really good deck that everyone plays. Like I looked at the deck list for the World Championships, and like twelve, like twelve out of sixteen people were all playing the same deck, which means the meta is fucked. Um, but the more significant thing is that they've put out a set of cards that are only usable in certain formats, and those cards are all. Walking Dead, baby. They're all Walking Dead themed magic cards. Right, right on time. Yeah, really, like, really hooked what in. What the fuck? Um, and so yeah, and so we've got the one, the the really uh, sort of the headline one is a card called Rick, steadfast leader. Uh, it's two colorless and two white mana for a legendary creature, human soldier, whose power is as Rick enters the battlefield, choose two abilities from whatever doesn't matter. Um, but he gives your humans a bunch of bonuses. Um. And someone recently, so the format that you're allowed to play these cards in is called Legacy, where, like, basically, like, anything goes or whatever. Um, and someone won, the leg- like, a huge Legacy tournament this week by playing a bunch of cards from the Walking Dead release. And everyone is fucking furious. <laughs> everyone is so oh. mad. There's mad these dumb cash grab cards came out, and they're extra dumb that people are winning money from using them. <laughs> that That is the funny part, I think, though. If I were to be a Magic card player, I would only use, like, yeah, like, cards from Dexter's Laboratory or whatever the fuck <laughs> weird-ass thing they're yeah. doing Well, because be- So before they were doing crossover shit, but the crossovers were all just, like, alter- like, alternate card art. Like, they did a set that was, like, a bunch of monsters. They had all card art where, like, one monster was Godzilla and one's, like, Mecha Godzilla and one was King Kong or whatever, which is, like, a fun 
riff on the thing, but doesn't like change the game. This is just like making magic, like super powerful magic cards that are Walking Dead themed and just giving them to people. It's insane. It's like truly Listen, nuts. And also, like, if you're still a Walking Dead fan and still watching the show, you're going on my list. Yeah, that's true. If like the people, the 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 number of things that must be wrong, with, like the the degree to which the people who buy these cards are total fucking freaks. The the, the Walking Dead cards in particular is galling. It's so mad because it's like. You're, if you look, I spend money on magic cards too. I'm a freak. I get it. But like, I'm not going to go to my way to try and get the walking dead ones. Like these aren't even usable mm-hmm. in standard or like any of the normal, normal fucking formats. Like you have to play like super esoteric formats to be able, allowed to use them and they suck and they're dumb. And it's just, the worst thing is that the picture on the Rick card is just a picture of Rick. Like you have all these cards where it's like wizards and dragons and like lightning bolts and like lion people with lion heads like fighting a giant serpent, and then you got Rick in his jacket and being like, "Hey, I swear to God, if Rick walks into Baldur's Gate three, I won't be surprised, but I will be disappointed." Um. Yes, that reads. I think. Um, <laughs> a world of possibilities in Baldur's Gate. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, there's always been crossover stuff, but that, that, that seems like a particularly galling and just also just dated. It's like, are, are we still having to do the walking dead? Like, I don't know. It yeah. seems weird. I mean, look, uh, we're going to do the walking dead forever until people get over the jack off fantasy of like, what I really want to do is shoot my neighbors. Oh, <laughs> uh, because that's like what zombie shit is now is just people who are stoked yeah. to kill, who are like, all I want is my neighbors to try and take my stuff so I can shoot them with my big gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and until yeah. that fantasy like chills, um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, then maybe we'll get away from the walking dead, but until that eases off, which is not going to happen while Trump is in office for sure. Um, so like basically the Trump election is like AMC really wants Trump to win, I think, cause then they get four more years of walking dead. Yeah. Um, although, Hey, but it's actually on the party platform. Although to be fair, I mean, Biden wins, that's four years of the walking dead. Am I right? Um, hey, hey, I mean, and four more years of Entourage. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but yeah, I, listen, Biden's main stance is he likes cars. What is the intro to Entourage all about? I mean, the coolest car whips whips. Yeah, it's true. anyways. Yeah, um, it's all it's everything is coming up Biden right now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all. Awesome that's what you got to say. Oh, should we talk about the fly at all? Do we care about the fly? No. I, okay, good. Uh, good. Right. Correct answer. Moving on. Um, Jesus Christ. It's um, But I, I guarantee you that there's probably going to be a, a Jeff Goldblum uh, impression on SNL this week. Oh, man. You know the, good. You know the flying. I was talking about, I was I was having conversations with them about who they were going to cast as the fly on SNL. Jeff Goldblum didn't even occur to me because I'm an idiot. That's a great fucking call. That's, that's well, Hundo. Well, hello, Hundo. SNL. Uh, I like your new cast members. They are uh, nice and young. Everyone's forgotten about uh, creepy little old me. <laughs> hey, like, everyone's forgot, everyone's yeah, forgot about me, Jeff Goldblum, big freak. Yeah, big freak. Certified freak, uh, seven days a week. Seven, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's like everyone is making fun of the, Ro- the Rose Garden event, but SNL is doing the same shit. Like, it's crazy to me. And they're just doing it on live television. Like, haven't you seen, like, the, the way that they have people sitting together at SNL? Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's weird and bizarre. I've watched, a, like, tiny bits of SNL. It's... Because I, 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 I thought that show was bad years ago. And it's only gotten worse. Um, but I've watched little bits recently, and it is fucked. The whole situation is fucked. Stop making SNL. 
I'm 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 actually I'm against that thesis. I think that there are SNL lovers like me who realize the show is bad. But if you do watch every episode each season, there are a lot of good sketches. And honestly, like as someone who did a lot of sketch, like if there are two good sketches in a show, that's like pretty good. Like I view it like music. Like how many hits does every album have? Like, it feels to me like a lot of sketch shows are like, you know, sort of uh, your classic album structure. There's the singles and then there's the filler songs. Yeah, um, that's true. Here's where I'm going to take umbrage with that metaphor is that (laughs) SNL positioned itself as sort of like a, I don't know, what's a good example of a band that's just like nothing but bangers? It's like a D'Angelo. Like D'Angelo puts out an album and it's nothing but fucking hits top to bottom. And SNL's like, that's what we are. When in fact, SNL's a lot more like, say, like a chingy. <laughs> like, you know, like, they would have now like one or two <laughs> tracks worth hearing and the rest is just fucking trash. Um, and so the issue yeah, with me is not... But they're not a goat yay. They're not a one-hit wonder. No, they're not They're not that. They're, they're, somewhere, they're somewhere higher up the ladder than, say, like a Dexy's Midnight Runners. But, like... <laughs> Like they they are very much like positioning themselves as like we are a band that puts out nothing but bangers and it's like no I don't think so no there well, just isn't any other shows so no one no one no no one else has anywhere to put this critical energy because we don't we don't see the late night shows really as comedy anymore like the talk shows like we don't really view that with like a comedic lens of is this funny or not uh, we just view it as like is it politically good or not but like SNL is like one of the last mainstream outlets where people can pour this like this need to like say if comedy is good or bad yeah okay so i because there's no other sketch shows so it's like kind of not their fault entirely i am with you to a degree my my thing is that like some of their sketches i'm with you i think they're really funny they're going for laughs i think a lot of them are going for there's this book that came out that discusses the distinction like laughter and clapter where like laughter is an expression of like joy and having fun and like a positive energy and clapter is like clapping along because you're like ah they said the thing i like <laughs> yeah bill bill maher invented clapter in the early 90s to you know uh spread atheism <laughs> yeah exactly like exactly um and uh he like snl's a lot of clapter shit it's not the daily show in that respect the daily show just traffics exclusively in that but snl is doing a lot of that stuff where it's like the goal is to make the audience go ha huh, i am smart and they agree with me and we all feel very good Totally. And that is all that is like the, that is always because most people really put all their energy into like the opening monologue because yeah. it's the clearest example of just just drivel, just awful totally. and bad. And it's and it's like super easy target. It's like hitting the ball off. A, it's like a T-ball. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most people don't actually watch the few sketches that do go up in between all that stuff. And I think that's my that's my big critique is not that there isn't good comedy happening on SNL. Um, because there often is, um, it's just smushed in between like a 20 minute opener, three songs, and then like 20 minutes of weekend update. And so like the, the ratio is getting worse and worse. Um, but if you look at each season, like I could name you like 10 really funny sketches from last season of SNL. And that is pretty good. I mean, I, in my opinion, I appreciate (laughs) your SNL fandom because it provides a distinct service for me which is that I don't have to watch it because if there are good ones, you just I'll message you, you just message ones. me about how there was a good SNL sketch and I should look at there it. There was an incredible gamer sketch this weekend that I actually wanted to talk to you about and that may actually be more relevant to this podcast. Do you want to pull it up um, and we can just cut while I watch it and then we'll talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic <laughs> SNL out right there. 
not not a perfect sketch. No, but it's a good funny. it's a good sketch. It's a good sketch. It's pro gamer. It's pro gamer. Um uh, it's pro gamer. It's very funny. It captures the time, the two thousand, the year two thousand kid, very well, um, mm-hmm. and with a lot of specific references. And it's just like it does feel, it feels, uh, it it does a really good job of of isolating something that I think is really true about COVID, which is that like it's forced everyone to like regress to their childhood a little bit. Yeah, because basically the plot of the sketch is that a gamer in the early 2000s is greeted by, like, the ghost of future, and he's saying, like, oh, your life's going to get so terrible, and he shows him in 2020 how he's still living at his mom's playing video games because of the pandemic, and the gamer's like, this is awesome, the graphics are so good. It looks like <laughs> um, real! It freaking looks yeah. like real! Um, and, and then, Which is obviously what any true gamer's reaction would be, and so I, I do love... I do love this positive gamer take. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's uh, we don't see a lot of positive gamer representation in media, so this is very you know it's a big moment for us. Yeah, they have a lot of good gamer sketches. It's clear that uh, it's clear that a few people on that staff are are very pro gamer. Um, but yeah, in general, I think that like most people like there isn't a lot of like mainstream fucking comedy. So like anyone who wants to talk about comedy mainstream, like they only have SNL to pour all of their needs and frustrations into. And if there was more like live sketch shows on TV, like I don't think SNL would be under such harsh criticism outside of that. Absolutely psycho that they have people coming into the studio uh, and are creating like their own like liberal version of like the Republican spread potentially. Yeah. It's, there, it's that. It's that. And it's also just like get. I understand that they have like an impetus to talk about political stuff, but they're so bad at talking about political stuff, you know. Yeah. Like they just suck at it, and it just like it bums me out to watch, um, mm-hmm. to watch that shit. But you're you're not wrong. Like uh, there is, there is they they do good. Like when they're not doing politics stuff, they do still do pretty good work. And and sometimes and so I think like. He said, I like that you like it because it means that I don't have to fucking watch it. I just get the, the unfiltered good shit. Yeah, um, I'll, be, I'll be your sieve. Your, I'll, I'll sift it through. I'll find the gold in the river you're, for you. You're sort of my Tenzing Norgay uh, mm-hmm. as far as the uh, the the uh, the Everest of, of Saturday Night Live. Um, Absolutely. So, okay, what else is going on games-wise? Um, uh, I'm going to play more Hades. Oh, yeah, t- talk to me that. How's your Hades journey going? It's nice. I like it. Uh, it. Weirdly enough, it's like a bedtime game for me. I spend a lot of time gaming. Um, spend a lot of time gaming, like you know, at my desk. So I like I need a game to just like hang out on my couch or like. Yeah. I don't know. I because I'm a PC gamer now. I, I'm uh, in some ways I, I'm missing the couch life a little bit at times. It is a different experience now. I'm I'm much more upright and like at attention when I'm PC gaming and I sometimes I need to lay down. Yeah, no, totally. It's a good, I think it's a good, it's a good wind down game. Um, for me, when it comes to gaming, if you want to know about my, my gaming day schedule, it's a wake up, drink coffee, play magic, do my job, play like a bigger game, you know, uh, something a little, a little more intensive. And then, uh, yeah, it's a little Hades to cool off before bed. Yeah. That's like how I Doctor's that's like, orders. That's like how I do do my day. Um mm-hmm. and Hades is great for that because it's like you can do one or two runs. It takes a little while. Um but it uh it's fun and it's challenging, but it's not mind-bendingly challenging. And like dying is okay in that game, which is nice. 
um, it's okay for a run to go poorly and because you just start over and you like learn a few things or whatever. I actually, that's one of the reasons that I was nervous about roguelites, but I like this one because in some, sometimes I look forward to dying uh, because I have so much stuff stored up that I know I'm going to like level up and like do a bunch of cool shit when I get back to the hub world that I like, sometimes I welcome the death. Um, but what's your favorite weapon, Lux? Mine is so far is still the uh, the arrow. Um, I consistently do the best with the bow, but I think the sword is my favorite because swords are fucking cool. Yeah, I just I the this, the bow gives me more range, and uh, I I also like my favorite power is the dash water move where it like, oh, creates yeah. puddles when you uh when you dash around like mm, when I'm dashing around just boom, 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 making lots of puddles it's. It's it's good stuff. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's but, good. Uh, I what I enjoy with the with the soul with the bow. The reason the bow might be my favorite is that the bow is the one that I think changes the most based on the like Daedalus upgrades you can get. Yeah, like the Daedalus upgrades can like really change the bow in ways it doesn't really change things like the punch hands or the shield or other stuff like that. And I think that's really fun and cool at the bow i just like that each of the weapons like that's the thing that, like that's why the games are replayable is that each of those games each of the upgrades you can get change the weapon so fundamentally that it uh it's like it feels totally fresh like it takes so long for that game to start to feel repetitive and then mm-hmm. once it does i can just take a night play magic instead and it feels great the next day like <laughs> i never need a super long break from hades the way that i do with other games mm-hmm. um which is very very cool uh, I'm yeah. I'm a big fan of of that. I've been um I played I played a little bit of Paradise Killer. That was pretty interesting. Um, but I'll report back when I played more of it. It's just it, that game. Some of it's so cool, but that game like loves to smell its own shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, you keep saying that, which is not enticing for me. I know. Um, well, that's what's, that's the thing. What's the next game? That's what I'm reckoning with. Is that I hate that about it. But there's other things I like about it. Um, yeah. The next. Like, what's the next game on the horizon for the, for the Switch in particular? Like I'm saying, like is it Pikmin? It might be Pikmin. It might be... Um, I don't know what big indies are coming for the Switch soon. Part of the fun part about the Switch is that it's impossible to tell what's coming out for it. It's just like every two weeks, it's like a surprise drop of something. Totally. There's like a um, Kingdom Hearts thing coming. For the Switch? Yeah. It's What's it called? Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. I don't know if it's like a... It's like a rhythm. Oh, it's going like, to be like a weird rhythm game, I think. Uh, Oh hell yeah! It's gonna be like sixty dollars and so bad. There's a Hyrule Warriors is coming, that could be fun. Um, oh, oh, I don't like that those type of games. Then No More Heroes three. That's probably the the big hitter. Oh, speaking of fart smelling, really? That's coming out for Switch. Yeah, there's one that I'm intrigued in, uh, intrigued by, which is uh, this game called Chris Tales. But that's such a dumb name for a game. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It got my attention. It looks like a it's like a JRPG tribute indie, which is like one of my favorite things you can get. You know, uh huh. Um, but the name Chris Tales is very funny and maybe not good. Yeah, it seems like it might be a quiet end of a year for Switch. I don't think there's anything like really mind blowing to round out the holiday season, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you're right that the the Switch, uh, the Switch is like. There's a thing with the thing with Switch is that the Switch releases are never like the big events the way the PlayStation Xbox ones are or like PC ones. They're always yeah. just sort of like, hey, there's some more games you can have for your Switch that you like play with sometimes. Like I don't think I don't think the Switch imagines its users as like an obsessive base the way other consoles do. 
Um, because I don't think it's the kindest console that you use obsessively, really. Um, mm-hmm. Like, sometimes there's, there's a particular game that hooks you or whatever, but, like, I think it's mostly, like, a pick it up, play it for a little bit, put it down. Um, way more than it is, like, a serious commitment kind of thing. Totally. And so the game releases kind of match that, too, in a way that I think is, like, it's a nice ethos. Yeah, I think that's well said, actually. Um, oh, there was supposed to be a Shin Megami Tensei for the Switch, but I guess that got delayed. Oh, yeah. No, I don't even... I'm not even... I used to neurotically check when the SMT5 was going to come out for the Switch. <laughs> I used to check it all the fucking night. I've just fully... I have fully put that in the George R. R. Martin box of, like, I, I want it very much. I think about it often, but I'm just not going to fucking worry Get, Receive it. Like, it ever. Yeah, I'm just not... I'm not going to, like freak out about how I don't have it. I'm actually excited for Pikmin, now that I think about it. Yeah, Pikmin's like, great. I think Pikmin is, like, perfect on the Switch. Like, it, it might be that sweet little game. Is, now, is this a new game, or is this a port? I think this is a fresh a fresh Pikmin. Wow. That's good, too, because I didn't want to play a port. I wanted to play something, like, designed. Yeah. No, it's... Is it a no, port? No, it's a port. Wii U port. Boom. Yeah. Hmm. Send the game to jail. Cancel. Yeah, game is canceled. Sorry, folks. That's that's what it takes these days. Um, that sucks. I, I wish it was original. <laughs> There's someone is saying that this new Kingdom Hearts game f- planned for the Switch is known as the most narratively impenetrable. <laughs> that's like the, that's like maybe the best argument to me to play it. <laughs> Because, like, the, to me, that's my favorite. My, I don't, like, we talked about it. I don't like the King Hearts games that much. My favorite thing about them is that, like, as someone who's, like, deeply a lore guy, I find them, like, inscrutable and confusing. Like, I love, yeah. I love stupid, dense nonsense lore. And fucking Kingdom Hearts is, like, way more than I can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea of, like, one of those that's, like, that but more is uh, intriguing, to say the least. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very funny, but, uh, well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I'll definitely be back next week with some more Baldur's Gate talk and, uh, and maybe we'll do a very, I said we're going to do the boys this week, but we're doing it next week. Yeah. So we can watch the premiere so I can get back in time to, to watch the finale rather. Hell yeah. All right. And boys finally, fans, get then, ready. Then, Catch up. Then we'll, we'll do a spoiler episode. Spoiled on the whole two first two seasons. Yeah, I'll tease this. I think by then I'll have something to plug. Incredible! Wow. Well, you're gonna have something to plug then. Uh, I hate plugs, but Twitch.tv slash Chumru Monday through Fridays at night. It's going off, folks. It's going off. It's popping. I can I can attest. Uh, I check in every once in a while, and also it will show up on the stream with some regularity. Although, or was right now, everything's been too busy. But um, I want to get back on regularly, but watching it, it's been great. The stream is improving. You got a lot more in the chat. You got people jumping in, saying nice things, doing fun stuff. Um, it's popping, man. It's popping off. The Troom the Troom Discord's popping off. Join the Troom Discord, please. Join Troom Room Discord. Yeah, hang out with me and Griff and other podcast faves like Haley. By the way, that's at Eat, Eat Every Sound on Instagram and YouTube, and also uh, Stanley Stack Podcast. But also like Hunter and Frankie and Heidi and Caitlin and all your faves. All your fave guests, Sam Brown, all your fave guests are hanging out in the Tomb Room Discord. Everyone's here. Yeah, just just like Super Smash Bros. Everybody's here. <laughs> um, Except Bennington. Yeah, Bennington, the Waluigi of the scene. Um, mm-hmm. Whoa. I, that was a flippant comment, but I think I may have nailed it. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, as much as I like to make fun of Bennington on every episode, if I can, um, I think, yeah, you're right. That's it. That's all for us. We will t- catch you guys next week and we'll talk to you later. I'll be editing this episode. Be kind.